Hey everyone, welcome back to On Point. This episode, I sit down with Kyle from V2P Nutrition, that is Valley to Peak Nutrition, and talk about all sorts of things when it comes to nutrition and diets and working out. And I really show my ignorance in on this one because I just ask a lot of questions that I've always heard and you never know what is, you know, the snake oil salesman stuff or what's real world and what's going to get you results. And so we kind of cover all that, some theories uh, that I had that I've heard that I've, you know, I I guarantee you stuff that you've heard. And um, Kyle does a good job of dispelling that, proving it with science and talking about what really works. And I love his philosophy and I love his approach to getting the results. It's very real world very basic and very just fundamentals and that's really what i love it's hard work it's nothing fast it's just a great approach and a great mindset to to fitness and to dieting so uh, i hope you guys enjoy i had a great time i'll definitely have him back on to get more into the nitty-gritty of the nutrition for micros macros and all that kind of stuff but uh, this is a great back to kind of the basics for dieting nutrition and fitness so Hopefully you guys enjoy. If you haven't yet, do me a favor, leave me a review on iTunes, Podbean, whatever platform you're listening listening to this on. Those really do a big favor to me. And uh, if you can, I'm really wanting to get suggestions. So what I'm wanting to do is um, leave a review and then in the comment section, because usually there's a place where you can leave a comment with a review, give me a suggestion that you want to hear on the show or a guest. I'm happy to oblige, happy to reach out to people that you guys want to hear from. And I think that'd be a great way to get more reviews and then also get more feedback for what you guys want to hear or uh, people you want to see on the show. So outside of that, guys, appreciate you for listening and I will see you on the next one. All right, let's get this thing. Let's get this thing rolling. So let's give your uh, elevator pitch here, and uh, and then we'll start diving into some. I like you said before, grapefruit, grapefruit sized softballs for you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, what do you want to know? Just uh, sort of basics. Yeah, yeah. Just um, tell me about V two. It's V two P nutrition, right? Yeah. So it's just basically short term. If I were to be on an elevator or podcast or whatever, something to get people to go to that you don't have to say Valley to Peak Nutrition, but it's short for that short for Valley to Peak Nutrition. Uh, Really long story short, I'm a, I'm a dietitian. I work part-time at a hospital here in Boise. Well, I should say it's it's a full-time job, but part of my time is there. Um, And then part of my time, a large portion of my free time is allocated to Valley to Peak. So uh, historically about 10, 12 plus years ago, I lost 140 pounds, um, on my own and just wanted to know what happened in me. I mean, I just had, I just had an immense curiosity about, you know, I, under, I recognized that fruit was maybe better for me than the double cheeseburger. I was traditionally used to eating as a snack, but I wanted to know why. So went to school for it. They shipped me to um, Idaho to complete my, my internship and residency requirements. So I uh, came out here, thought my life was over, fell in love with it. And here I still am. Valley to Peak's about four or five years old now, three, no, three, three or four years old now <clears throat> with really a couple of different arms to it. You've got one arm um, that's dedicated to guys that are planning to go on longer trips um, and, and how to plan their nutrition for that so they can do as well on day 10 as they do on day one, um, because nutrition is obviously a big part of that. And there's other things too, right? Like even if your nutrition is uh, super dialed, but you're way out of shape, there's not a nutrition plan on the planet that's going to help you. <laughs> right. But if you've got all of the other things taken care of, nutrition can play a pretty dramatic impact on someone's ability to be as solid on day 10 as they were on day one. So 
it's uh, dedicated to that one, one arm of it. The other arm is preparing guys or girls. There's I coach a lot of women too, um, to prepare to go on trips like that. Like there will be people that will recognize, you know, maybe there's 20 pounds they want to get off or whatever. Um, so we'll create a strategy built around education, um, accountability, and then a strategy. How do you carry these things out on a day in and day out basis to get you towards where it is that you're wanting to go? So yeah, I work with a lot of people. I've been fortunate to meet a number of people, be on a few podcasts. So um, I love it, man. I really, really enjoy it. <clears throat> well, I, I can tell you, I ran into a um, who I can call a friend now, um, one of your customers, Ben, and uh, ran into him out in the woods and the guy was just shredded. And I was like, and he's like, this is the best I've ever felt. You know, he was pumped. He was he was just talking you up. And, and if, if that guy ever starts a podcast, I'm going to be in trouble because that guy just has great ideas for guests all the time. So um, and uh, we hunted a little bit together and um, he was just super happy with he kept saying the way that his body was performing and like just the way that, you know, he was he just felt good, you know, and, and um, he contributed it all to your plan and everything. So I've seen like the result and the mentality of it out in the woods and how confident Ben was and and everything and and it just seems um like for me personally i've never actually had a plan like i've just like well i'm gonna eat healthier and for me eating healthier is less pizza and uh less junk food ice cream you know less soda if i can and and eating healthier is like just not as frequently eating that stuff and then just kicking out whatever i can at the gym and just trying to burn more than what i ate and that's just been my so like simple mind it's worked for me but it's been so simple minded it'd be nice to find out you know the reactions and and the why and and be able to take that to a you know like another level and stuff and and that's kind of what ben was saying that you know just fueling your body and giving yourself what your body needs and stuff like that yeah yeah ben ben and i worked quite a while with each other and you know to, to ben's credit you know, we, he and I work to create a strategy. There's a plan. And obviously I sort of know the nuances of nutrition, but I'm not selling snake oil, right? Like he went and he had to apply these things. He worked his tail off, not only to create a strategy that worked for him, but to take everything that he and I would talk about on a week to week basis and go apply it. Um, so Ben was an incredibly hard worker and sort of, you know, going back to what you had said there, losing weight because that's what 90% of the people that I worked with are after and really even performance nutrition, which is what the other 10% is. And I work with both, but it's, it's really, there's 900 roads that are going to accomplish whatever task you're after. It really is figuring out what the best strategy is going to be for this person. Because we know out of all of the things that matter, it doesn't matter if the calories are perfect. It doesn't matter if the composition of those calories are perfect, which is what we determine is the percentage of carbs, proteins, and fat. It doesn't matter if any of that's perfect. If a guy can't be consistent, right? So we know one of the best ways to promote consistency, which ultimately means results, is to plan stuff around a person's schedule, to plan stuff that they like, to plan stuff they enjoy, because if they can be consistent, they're ultimately going to get what it is that they're chasing after, uh, whatever goal it is. Mm-hmm. So to, to your point, you're 100% right. I mean, I'm probably more in the business of strategically helping people get the nutrition in 
we spend a lot of time on, I mean, sort of my top shelf priority is I don't want to just tell you what to go do. I want you to know how to do it and why we are doing it. So when we stop working together, you can navigate your own nutrition program for any circumstance or scenario that you face. And Ben's a perfect testament to that. He's, he's done that with, 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 um, um, spectacularly since he's graduated from the program. Well, I, I like how you put that, you know, you have to put the work in along with listening to what you tell people. Cause Ben was uploading, uh, workout videos, deadlift videos, just all the time. The guy was getting it. And I'm like, Holy crap. Like that guy is straight up being a savage out there. You know, he's a, he's a full-time cop and everything. And, and just, uh, you know, just, I can't say enough good things about Ben, but, um, you know, and then I, I have friends that, you know, um, that some of them, you know, they work out all the time. They just can't put on the muscle. They just, they just, they're just, you know, they're almost almost a gym rat, right? But you couldn't tell it by looking at them. You know, they're fit, but for being at the gym almost every day, multiple hours a day, it's just like, where, you know, where's your results here, and 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 then why aren't we seeing it? And there's 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 a lot of things that could, you know, be the issue there. I understand, but it just seems like. Um, you know, I've always heard that the body's built in the kitchen and maintained in, in the gym or something like that. You know, there's a bunch of corny sayings out there, but for me, that's been, that's been right. Because if I eat right, I'm automatically, my body goes the way that it should be. It just slims down. You know, like I'm a, I'm a naturally a skinny kid and right now. I'm a skinny fat kid, you know, like I have a skinny kid with a pretty big, good sized belly. <laughs> so it'd be nice to fix that. I, I know I, I need to fix that, but. Uh, so I guess where I'm going with this is if you were to have somebody like me on here and we can critique me cause I don't care. Right. I I'm totally transparent. So if you're going to critique me and I know you and I have already messaged each other and, um, you had me on board when you said I could eat pizza. So give me, I guess, a philosophy of how you would go about getting somebody like me who doesn't know anything and then saying, well, I, I still want to enjoy pizza. What would be your spiel there? So I think there's a, there's a few pieces here, right? So number one, it would be educating you on how nutrition works. Why can you include something like pizza that historically has been on the no-no list of every popular <laughs> diet on the face of the planet, right? right? Like, God forbid, if you even look at a pizza, much less put it in your mouth. So it would be number one, educating you on why does that work? And the reason it works is very simple math, the law of thermodynamics. You can't create or destroy energy, right? If you can create, and let's use your example, right? One of your primary goals is you're trying to lose weight. And I want to touch base before we get off the podcast uh, about that question you asked me about protein consumption while you're trying to lose weight, yeah. or should I wait until I put on muscle? I want to, I want to make sure we tackle that because it was good. <clears throat> so how can you include something like pizza? If a guy's trying to lose weight, it doesn't matter if every other piece of the puzzle is perfect. If there's not a calorie deficit, meaning if there is not fewer calories in the diet than he needed to maintain the weight he was at when he didn't want to be at that weight, then weight loss will not happen. It doesn't matter if there's no carbs in the diet. It doesn't matter if there's no fat in the diet. It doesn't matter if there's 900 grams of protein or none. If there's no deficit, the weight won't come down. So we know if you can control the calories in a way that creates a deficit, the composition of those calories, where those calories come from, is less important. Now, 
Is there still advantages to eating quote unquote healthy? Yeah, it offers better satiety or which is kind of the nerdy word for fullness. You don't feel hungry all of the time, right? So that, that's just one example of it. But if you can create a calorie deficit, the weight will come down. And a scenario that I use with a lot of people is there's no good and bad foods. There's only good and bad amounts of everything. I've seen people lose weight with Oreos woven in the diet. I've seen people gain weight with nothing but bro foods and steamed broccoli and egg whites woven in the diet. To create that awareness, you've got to have a couple of tools. They're not tools you've got to use for the rest of your life, but you have to get a foundational baseline of nutrition if you've got a specific goal. You can certainly go to the gym and try to wear yourself out on a treadmill and create that that deficit. You will, but again, I'm not real interested in helping people lose weight so they gain it back plus 15 pounds the following year and then creating that cycle. I want to teach people how do you take it off and keep it off. So a couple of those tools would be, number one, you have to have some system of tracking. It would be impossible to know what's coming. It's just like a budget. It's impossible to know what's coming in and what's going out if you're not keeping record of it. Otherwise, it's just a crapshoot and you hope at the end of the month Somehow you're in the black, right? right? And if you are, then, hey, we, we've done our job. So some form of tracking. To That's make sure I'm that right tracking. That's where I'm at right is, now. I'm not tracking anything. I'm just expending at the gym and hoping it's more than what I took in. So that's yeah. one thing I need to fix. So, yes, you, that would be one thing, right? And and we'll get back to that. Okay. <laughs> the other piece of that is, no, no, it's good. The other piece of that is to ensure that those records are somewhat accurate and this is where guys are like, I'm on board or I'm not. And that's <laughs> a lot of conversation happens around this whenever we're talking to people about what how the program works. Um, is you've got to you have to have some accountability. You gotta measure your food. How do you know that that's a cup of rice if you're just winging it and eyeballing it? Because what you think is a cup of rice is actually three, which means the calorie intake is plus three hundred. So when you come to me, you're like, Why well, am I not losing weight? I'm eating the pizza and I'm eating the rice. Well, because you're not measuring it, right? The calorie, the records show that you are on par with your needs, but you're not because you haven't actually measured it. You do not have to, and this is where guys get lost. You do not have to measure it for the rest of your life, but it is good to establish a baseline of, oh, this is what a cup of kicks cereal looks like versus I've been eating five cups and I've always thought that it was one, mm-hmm. right? So those are a couple of the tools that um, we would use jumping back to your question about, uh, about tracking, which I guess you didn't really have a question, but making the, 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 the idea of tracking and the idea of measuring is that you're using tools to establish some baselines to help you get to where you want to go. And a lot of times I'll hear guys argue, um, well, that's, you know, that's a lot of work. That's really tedious. And I would argue that that's less work then you spinning your wheels thinking you're doing something, but going nowhere. I'm trying so hard. I haven't eaten X, Y, and Z, but I just can't seem to drop any weight. If you would invest a little bit more time and keep record of that information, now we've got actual data that will let us look back on it. Now, you don't ha- do you have to track? Do you have to measure formally? There's a number of ways you could do it, right? Like you could do it on paper. You could do it in an app like MyFitnessPal or Car Manager, whatever. There's a number of different ways to do it. I've had guys with gorgeous Excel sheets. It doesn't matter to me. Right? The choice is 100% up to you. 
but the, the, the records need to be accurate for a period of time. And there's got to be some, some kind of a data that lets us see what's happening and, and we can speak to why things are, aren't, aren't moving. Hmm. So with, with the tracking and everything for me personally, um, that seems like it would be manageable because there's apps and stuff back when my wife was keto, um, before uh, we got married, she was, she was down a ton of weight. She was just losing it, shedding it off. But, um, using the keto thing and, and the diet. And, and, um, we had these trackers where you could literally pull up any menu, Taco Bell, you could click on the burrito. It tells you exactly what's in it. You could track it. It just seems like that would be pretty easy. So if guys are willing to skimp out on that and say, that's too hard, they're probably just not there yet. They're just mentally not wanting to commit to it yet because they're just wanting the easy way out. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's, if you were ever going to get into this, this is the day to do it. You can, you can literally scan foods. It, it does all of the work for you. I mean, there is no easier time to track it. And again, like, I don't want to be redundant, but guys get lost on this idea that they're going to have to do this the rest of their life. And that that's not the case. And, and to your point, like, you know, when we have these conversations with people, no one's telling you you have to do this, but if you're asking me what's the shortest path to A, my goals, and B, figuring out why and how nutrition works so I can stop this endless cycle of losing 15 pounds, gaining 30, losing 15, gaining 30. I mean, that's that's the other thing this does is it teaches you about nutrition. So as you go in and you log things, you can see how the numbers change and either put you above or below your goal, right? And so- it, it, is there a little bit of an investment in terms of your time? Yeah, there is. It is. It's more than just going to the gym and wearing yourself out and hoping that it works. But I would argue that it's less of an investment and less tedious than just, like I said, spinning that same rat wheel. And for me, it would really only take a few minutes. I mean, if you stay on top of it and you just say, this is what I've eaten today, this is what I'm going to, you know, or plan it out. Yeah. It's just a 10 minutes a day. Maybe. And and the, and the apps are super intuitive. So after you've logged something, it starts to pick up on, man, Garrett eats this five times a week, right? Mm -hmm. So then it's literally a matter of clicking two buttons and that's it. I mean, you're talking less than a 10 minute investment. So yeah, um, it, it's, 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 it's a very limited, like when I was losing weight, this is what I did. And I, and I will tell you that you go through quite a bit of school bar none, hands down, no questions asked. My personal experience, which is the same path that I walk people through in the Valley to Peak stuff, taught me more about nutrition than the class. Really? Now there were some medical things. There was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I do with the hospital. It's a little more detailed in terms of uh, tube feedings and IV nutritions and reading lab and stuff like that. Um, it's a little more nuanced and you know that that you just have to learn in the classroom and they get hands-on exposure but about this portion of nutrition manipulating those numbers in that app and logging stuff and really analyzing what's in the food that i'm eating in terms of how it affects my goals it was invaluable for me in terms of teaching me about nutrition and it was an invaluable experience for me to help understand where my clients are right because losing weight there's this there's this physical piece of like if you do the disciplines you create the strategy you'll get there but man this is an 80 plus percent mental game right i mean mm -hmm. this is heavily 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 mental so uh we spend a lot of times uh, talking you know quite a bit about that too so so 
my my head's just kind of already. I I, I mean I I get what you're saying about it's not a lifetime thing where you're gonna have to measure everything because I'm thinking okay well. I totally understand that because I can just hear an arrow build and probably put you within 2% of what the FOC is just because I built so many freaking arrows. I can guesstimate, you know, like that's probably going to be a 16% FOC arrow build. You know, like you're eventually you're going to have a really good idea about what food is what. And if you do it long enough, you're probably you're probably just using the, the, the app or whatever tracking your food as just basically a habit because you probably don't even need it. You could probably just guess it pretty dang close. And that's the goal, right? So here I am 12, 13 years on this side of my own personal weight loss journey. I can tell you what anything has in it in any portion that you put in front of me because of that app, right? And that's not an accolade to me. That's just to say, that's just to prove your point that if you do, that's the goal. If you do this long enough, you're building memory, you're building habits, right? So now all of a sudden you're out to out to dinner with your wife. I may understand nutrition, but I also understand human behavior. And I'm not going to ask a guy to take a scale to a restaurant <laughs> with his wife for dinner. Right. Right. So, but because you've been doing this, you can go there. You can estimate because progress always beats perfection rather than just throwing your hands in your air and saying, geez, I don't know, just bring me the X, Y, and Z highest calorie item. Right. So, but now you've developed some habits. So you can go to that restaurant. You can order whatever you want. You can know what it is in regards to your personal needs. And no longer is it a sacrifice of like enjoying your life or getting lean. You can do both, right? And I mean, there's just countless stories of guys like Ben uh, who have come through the program that can do that. And again, that's these guys taking the information and putting it to work. I'm, you know, that's, it certainly isn't an accolade to me. It's an accolade to them because at the end of the day, they're the ones doing the work. It takes some information, they take some knowledge and they apply it. And the point in that comment is it's, it's universal. If you're willing to do those things and you understand it, you can go and you can have a social life and still achieve your goals. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And, and that's my thing. If I, I, I like to have fun. I'm just like a regular person. I want to have fun. I want to feel good, though, and I want to look good. But I don't want to give up everything that I enjoy to do it. Like, life's too short not to eat bacon. You know, like, I like bacon. I like beer. I like all that stuff that everybody else likes, and I'm not willing to give it up completely. And so um, it just seems like that's been the common misconception, you know, talking to you. Like, when you said, Garrett, you can have pizza. I was like, no freaking way. Like, I told you, I'm sold. Like, as soon as you said I could have pizza, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm in, man. You got me. So, and it just really makes sense. And and I want want to kind of, you caught my attention with something about, it was an S word. I forget what you said about you feeling hungry after you eat. What was that word? It was uh, uh, satiety. Satiety. Um, I mean, I was talking about that the other day. I had no idea there was even a word for it. But like Chinese food, you know, I feel like I'm hungry an hour after eating Chinese food, you know, and a lot of these foods, like I, I feel bloated after I eat them. I just feel like blood, like lethargic almost. And this kind of leads me into, a, into an area that I've wanted to talk to somebody that really knows what they're talking about, about like these blood tests that you can send out and it tells you whether you can handle carbs better than some people, whether you're a carb reducer, a fat burner, a better balancer. They have names for them and I'm sure some of it's marketing, but um, can you speak to that? I mean, how's that? Is that a real thing? I mean, I, I, I would yeah. just like to learn more about that area. And then how, like basically 
what I'm asking is how do your genetics play a role in how you handle food? There. Yeah, that's a that's a phenomenal question. So no, there's no validity to those. Oh, good. <laughs> um, the okay. the so the the energy systems of the body is very dynamic, right? So we tend to think of it. You can't outsmart it. Like as as much as people try to gamify nutrition and make themselves a fat burner, blah blah blah. You can't. The body is designed to survive. And it's very dynamic. It has systems put in place that even when you eliminate an entire XYZ group of food, it can create what you need based on what it is that you need, right? So, for example, if you were to um, if you were to be in a calorie deficit and you were to need energy because you were just out exercising yourself, you're trying to achieve a very low calorie diet the body has a compensatory mechanism to break down protein and convert it to carbohydrate in the liver to continue to give you energy. All right. So there goes, you know, you, a lot of these bodybuilders, they'll be eating 200, 250, 300 grams of protein in a calorie deficit. And, and it's all being lost for not because it's converted to another thing that you need. So it's a very dynamic thing. And my point in saying that is to your blood test. No one's going to be a fat burner or a better carb burner or whatever because of that dynamic system. So if you're creating a deficit, no matter what the composition of the calories are from, meaning no matter how much or the ratio of percents to carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, which is where we get all of our calories, it's not going to matter because of these dynamic and compensatory mechanisms. For example, there are people who will be on a very low carbohydrate diet, ketogenic diet. It'll work for a period of time and then it'll stop. And a lot of people think that they'll get on it and they'll hit this magic number they want to be at. And then they'll, they'll stop the diet or whatever that stops because it, the body gets adjusted to that calorie intake and it can't go any lower, even though there's no carbs in the diet. So there's no factors to those to those um, to those blood tests. What was the second half of your question? Genetics. That's what it was. Yeah. So it, how how does genetics play a role in this? Genetics can play a role. So if you've got a fr- a family predisposition, if, if if your family has a history, for example, of a certain disease, let's say diabetes, let's say that they are more prone to be obese. If you look at family pictures and, and the whole family is overweight. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be a family history or what we call a genetic disposition to carry obesity. That is true. You may have a higher genetic disposition to these diseases, meaning you have to pay attention to things a little more careful. But, but the thing that I love the most about nutrition is we know that behavior can override that genetic disposition, meaning if your whole family has a history of X, Y, and Z disease, or even something like obesity, which is just a generalized term for being overweight, you do not have to picture yourself like them. Your choice, your choices, daily choices matter. Meaning if you choose not to do the things that they did, live a sedentary lifestyle, which means you're not very active, eat a consume a diet that's high in X, Y, and Z leading to high calories. If you do that, if you, if you don't make those choices and you choose to consume a diet that's higher in fruits and veggies with proteins and good wholesome lean grains, then it's, and it's, um, you caloric, which means it's, it's, it's the exact calorie amount that your body needs. So you're not losing weight or gaining any weight. 
if, if you choose to do that, you will be the individual in that picture who's not overweight, right? So your, your daily, which I just love, man, your daily choices do not mean that you have to look at your family history and say, geez, I guess that's going to be me. Wave the white flag. I'm done. I guess I'll just, you know, follow in their footsteps. You can make a choice and you can change that. That's a really good, that's a really good, um, I, first of all, I, I like hearing that. Um, I wish that, you know, applied to height because I'm super short. So I can do about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so if um, and my wife did a great job with the keto, but it's just like, you know, any, any diet, if you, it's, if it's, we, for her, it was a lifestyle. She was, she, you know, but you know, she, um, she committed to it. She did a great job with it over, I think about a year. Um, she did great with it and she, she was just happier and just her, you know, everything got better with it. And then, um, you know, it just, I, what I see a lot out there is diets that, you know, they, people burn themselves out. You, it's like you said, lose 15, gain 30. That's just everything out there. Um, what is your actual like professional opinion on the keto diet? Cause that right now is like the FOC discussion of aero building. It's so debated and, and it's like a hot topic. It seems like. Yeah. So help me understand what is, I'm just kidding. I know what okay. it is. <laughs> uh, so it, my, my opinion of that is the exact same opinion that I've got of any diet on the planet, which is this, if that, that's what you you find the easiest to stick to mm -hmm. and that's what you feel like you can still be doing six months six years from the day that you started it then that's great but there is no superior advantage to following that or any other diet under the sun um in in terms of of anything if that makes sense right you you it all goes back again you have to sit down with someone and you've got to ask, look, what are some of your favorite foods? Do you picture yourself swearing those off for the rest of your life? And the answer to that is to know is we, we need to teach you how you can build those things in right, right? Because that's going to promote greater adherence and that's going to promote consistency. And we know that at the end of the day, consistency wins. From a more science-based standpoint, when we look at studies and we look at literature, we know that regardless of the approach, if there's a calorie deficit, a person's going to lose weight. And we're assuming that calorie deficit is consistent. When you compare two groups, when you compare a group of people who are following a low calorie, low fat diet with a low calorie, low carb diet, we know that at the end of 12 months, both of those groups lose the exact same amount of weight, regardless of the approach. Really? The low carb people tend to lose more weight out of the gate. But that is because carbohydrates are stored in the liver and the muscle. It's the body's preferred fuel source, right? For every three to four, for every, for every one unit of carbohydrate that's eliminated, there's three to four units or grams of water that's gone. So when, whenever we look at those studies, the low carbers tend to lose more weight right out of the gate. But that's largely because they've lost muscle glycogen. They've lost the storage form of carbohydrate and they've lost the water that comes with it. So we said, well, let's tease it out. And after 12 months, we know that both groups lose about the exact same amount of weight. So what's that tell you? That the calories are what matter, not the composition of the diet. That's fascinating. I've never heard that perspective before, but it makes to me complete sense. So kind of maybe the keto is like eh, more instant gratification. 
you know, cause I know like I have friends that like they did it for two weeks, they lost the weight and then they were like, okay, I'm done. And then, then they, 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 like, they changed their diet after that, but they initially got rid of a lot of yeah. their weight just using the keto. And I'm like, that makes sense, so you, you know, to me, but you had, you had to continue to make so changes after here, keto. Well, you have to, you, you, whatever, whatever you do to lose it, you've got to continue where the weight's coming back, period. It doesn't matter what approach you, it doesn't matter what approach you take, low carb, low fat, whatever. You will hear a lot of people say when they follow keto, one of their biggest complaints is they would do really, 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 really well on it for a period of time. And they would decide to go out with their friends for pizza or whatever. They'd go out, they'd come back, they'd weigh the next morning, they're four or five pounds up. That's not That's four crazy. or five pounds of fat gain. That is simply the restoration of the muscle and the liver from the carbohydrates and the water that follows it. You've basically stored your nutrition stores back up and the water has been drawn to it because carbohydrates act like a sponge. That's not a bad thing. That's human physiology. So you get on the scale and you think pizza is the death of me. No, this is human physiology. You're battling human response doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Right. And so that's one thing we work, work on a lot with clients, too, in weight loss is it's like, man, I've been on this two weeks and I'm not seeing any change. And, and I'm, so we've learned to start taking measurements as well. OK, well, tell me, have you lost any any inches? Well, I've lost eight inches. Huh. So when you get on the scale there, we tend to we tend to equate weight loss and weight gain on the scale with fat. Right. If we've lost weight, that means we're doing good on the diet. If we gain weight, oh, I've done something really wrong. In reality, that number that shows is muscle, it's fat, it's water, it's whether or not you had Chinese food the night before. It's it's all of these different factors. So what we'll see a lot is people losing inches with no weight change. And we will know, look, keep going. This is working great. And then the weight will follow. Right. So Whenever you see the scale bouncing all over the place, you can't equate that to fat loss or fat gain. That is simply weight moving and weight is dependent on a number of different things that can fluctuate. It's a, it's a very independent variable that a number of different things can affect and you almost have to ignore it and just commit to the process until you start to see things happen and unfold over a period of time. So that's a good, that's an interesting, um, that's 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 really interesting to me too. I want to also cover and 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 I'm basically capping off the keto. I've always heard that you know liver damage is a possibility with keto. And, and what's what's the actual scientific like ketones are bad for your liver or something? Like there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And I've always, I was always worried that can you know how, how do we know if she's doing it the right or the wrong way? You know. Yeah. So the piece with that is, is that whenever you begin the concern, I should say initially, and there's some truth to this. So let me just tease this out. When you get on ketogenic diet, you begin to produce ketones as an alternative fuel. So the body can function on ketones. It can mm -hmm. function on glucose, which is the breakdown of carbohydrate. If you accumulate too many ketones in some medical condition, you can develop what's called ketoacidosis, which is where the blood is just simply too saturated with ketones and it the, the body responds very poorly. We've seen people in the ICU, it's usually associated with uncontrolled diabetics, a number of other different factors. 
if someone's healthy and they're following that because they've said, hey, this is what I feel like I can stick to. This is where I feel the best. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to argue with anyone on that. I mean, if you feel that way, that's a subjective thing. Knock your socks off. And if you're a healthy person, it tends to not build up in the blood. There's compensatory mechanisms to get rid of them when you need to get rid of them. So whether or not it's healthy for someone live someone's liver you know would be highly dependent on a person-to-person type of a basis and evaluating what's your past medical history and, and those type of things interesting that you know because i'm like well how do how the hell do we know if you're doing it the right way or the wrong way you know unless you start feeling <laughs> like crappy you flop over on the you know the carpet dead or something like how am i supposed to know you know and make sure you're doing it right and so that you know if she feels healthy and she feels good that's pretty much you know everything's probably balanced and right then i yeah. guess I mean, re- really, the the most the most objective way that you can measure it is you got to get labs, right? You got to get your labs taken. There's a couple of different labs that if those are out of whack, and those trend, right? It's usually not like one meal of bacon and avocado is going to flip the switch and all of a sudden have her flowing, you know, rolling on the floor floppy. <laughs> it's yeah. usually it, it, there's going to be a trend leading up to that, right? There's going to be sort of this climb up this ascent up where you're going to have this moment and that's going to be the issue but again for most people that are relatively healthy um it can be done safe um but it you know it ultimately comes down to each individual what their goals are what they feel like they can adhere to we i will say this because i'm heavily involved in performance nutrition and guys training as well time time and time again we've seen that people who follow ketogenic diet versus a diet that's rich in carbohydrate the people who follow the diet rich in carbohydrate are far outperform those on a ketogenic diet now someone listening is going to say cite some study and you could certainly cherry pick where maybe that hasn't been the case but the totality of evidence the sum of all of the parts when you look at big studies that have a lot of people in them which is something very important you can't look at a study that's got five people and call it valid you have to look at what's the total what's everything say of all of these people we've studied still time and time again points the finger at the higher the carbs the higher the carb intake in athletes the better they perform so when saying they're in the gym four or five times a week and just, you know, burn themselves out doing weighted pack hikes on their lunch break, drive themselves <laughs> ragged in a, on a, yeah, dragging, <laughs> trying to go ragged on an elliptical machine or a spin bike during the evenings. And you just can't figure out why you don't have the energy because you don't have the fuel. All right. So those are some of the things that are important to balance and all of this too. You know, I, you just hit an area that I've been trying to figure out for me personally with my own body is, you know, I, about, uh, I went to a trip in Alabama. Um, was it last? It was almost right out, almost a little over a year ago. And on that trip, I just, I was on a plane and I'm like, I'm done drinking energy drinks. Like I've been drinking two or three kickstarts a day. I crash every day around noon. I don't want to do that while I'm out hunting in a stand because I've never stand hunted before. And I'm, I was just like, you know, I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm done drinking energy drinks. And so I haven't had one since. And um, I'm like, sometimes I still crash at noon or that two o'clock. And I'm like, well, it wasn't the energy drinks. And then you saying, well, you lose energy if you're not filling your body properly. I'm like, I'd hardly ever eat breakfast. And I'm thinking maybe you just, you know, connected a dot in my brain. That's like, well, maybe if you weren't an idiot and ate breakfast, you wouldn't, you know, crash it too. Is that logical? 
certainly could be logical. It could be that you got up early and you were just tired. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, there is there is some there is some non unicorn stuff in in these <laughs> in these type of conversations, right? Like it yeah. could just be that, hey, you didn't sleep good, you're tired. Yeah. And we also know that one of the hormones responsible for sleep tends to peak around that time, right? So if you can push through it, keep yourself busy, get up, go for a walk, drink water, whatever, um, then you know, you might be able to be okay. So again, there's a number of different factors involved, but yeah, not eating breakfast could certainly be one of them or, it, you know, it's not like we've always heard as kids, you know, breakfast is the most important yes. meal of the day. And yes. it, it's, is it? <laughs> it's, it's highly individualized. Really? I mean, if, if you, if you are not a breakfast eater, like that's all right, you're, that's not going to be the detriment to your health. And that's not going to be the detriment to you progressing for weight loss or weight gain. Now, if not eating breakfast causes you to go to lunch at noon and order the entire menu because you're starving, that's when not having breakfast becomes a problem, right? Or if not having breakfast leaves you with no energy and you're tanking in the middle of a work project, mm -hmm. that's when bre not having breakfast becomes a problem or more relative to us. If you've been hiking all morning and a bull goes off in the bottom of a canyon, you didn't have breakfast at camp. And now you're just really kind of wondering if you want to dive off and go after it. That's when breakfast be not having breakfast becomes a problem. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, it's again, sort of highly independent on different scenarios and different people, but all of these sort of like all of these, um, hard and fast rules that we've put in place with culture over the years. Yeah. Most of them, when you look at nutrition on a science level, they just don't matter. A lot of it is highly individualized in a matter of you choosing what works the best for you based on what type of goal you want to achieve. So I, um, with my fitness journey, you know, every year, last couple of years anyways, I've tracked my body fat percentage. I've always tried to get down to like 12, you know, and just feeling good. That's just for whatever reason, it's just an abstract number I pulled out of my butt and said, 12% sounds good, you know, because a lot of these cage fighters are like 8% and they're crazy fit and cut and everything. And I'm like, 12% sounds like a happy medium for me. And, and right, you know, 10% right now is my number because I, I don't know anything. I'm just saying 10% sounds good. Um, my, my, my question is, is this is leading into that question where we, we were messaging each other and you had that little chart thing. Uh, with, with, uh, I forget exactly what it was, but it was like protein or working out. Like, can you walk me through that chart real quick? Cause I want to lose fat and gain muscle at the same time, but do I need to lose the fat and then gain the muscle? Cause I've also heard that fat burns muscle or muscle burns fat. There it is. Muscle burns fat. And so you're doing both at the same time, whether you know it or not, like in, in protein consumption, should I do that before or after? And like, there's a whole can of worms right here. It'd be nice to unravel, you know. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so walk me through that because that's something that I mentally, <laughs> from an uneducated standpoint, so I just I just do whatever yeah. I do. So there's a there is a lot to unpack there. So we can keep <laughs> coming back to it if we need to. Right. So that that image is built around the idea of a lot of people will try to eat even less on the days that they won't work out. So that image was basically a way of saying, no, those days that you're not working out, your body is still recovering. 
people tend to eat, people tend to, to, to take their nutrition and think about it for the day, right? Like, here's what I want to do today. Here's what my, my workout's going to be. I'm going to smash a protein drink when I'm done because that's for that workout. Yeah. And nutrition in reality is nutrition is recovering you from the day before it's handling what you've done today and it's preparing you for tomorrow. It's a very dynamic type of a thing, hmm. right? So you, when you, when you look at things, we're not, we're not looking at individual days, even with the guys that I work with, we're looking at averages over a week and over 30 days. I care more about what those averages are than you having a one-off day or a really great day in 29 crappy ones, right? Because those 29 crappy ones are going to be the thing that break you who cares about the one good day. Right. So that's, that's sort of, is that piece of it? Now back to your original question, there's a few, there's a few things here. So a higher protein intake, number one, for you to reduce your body fat, it doesn't matter the, the mixture, uh, the, the, the composition of the macros. And again, the macros are the carbs, the proteins and the fats for you to reduce your body fat, regardless of that macro composition, you've got to be in a sustained calorie deficit for long enough to, to lose the weight, period. Now, we do know that whenever a person is in a calorie deficit, if their protein intake is at a certain degree, they can retain the amount of muscle that they do have versus it being broken down for energy. Like I was describing earlier, where I said the body's dynamic and it can break something down and create something new if it needs it. So we do know that they can retain it. Now, there are a certain unique subset of groups where they can simultaneously lose weight and put on muscle. All right. So that is not something that's necessarily just open for the taking. Mm -hmm. We know that number one, if you're brand new to training, you've never trained before in your life, meaning you've never lifted a weight, you've never done any of that. You are a candidate. Congratulations. You can both simultaneously add muscle and lose fat at the exact same time. If you used to train and you took a period of time away from training, you just said, I don't care. I'm letting myself go. I'm done with it. I don't feel like it. And you are now reintroducing yourself to training. We know that. Congratulations. You too are a candidate. Oh, good. You could <laughs> build back up to the amount of muscle that you had prior to quitting. Right. So you could simultaneously do that as well. So there are a few different scenarios in there where a guy could add muscle um, while losing weight. If a guy's already relatively if a guy's been lifting a while, but not necessarily lean, he would want to focus on making sure he's in a calorie deficit, keeping his protein moderately high to retain that muscle so it shows more as he loses weight, right? As opposed to losing weight. But again, when you're losing weight, we get on the scale and we get super excited. Some of that is muscle. Some of that mm. weight loss that you're so excited about is muscle. So me, I don't care about that. That's one thing that's definitely different about working with me. So guys will see less progress on the scale, but the inches fall off like rain. Because I care more about that actual, I care more about the weight coming down being actual fat, not water, not muscle, nothing like that. And that's where the the composition of those macros become a little more important. In other words, making sure that there's adequate protein in there. And a caveat on that, you do not need to be smashing 250 grams, three protein shakes a day, seven grams of creatine. You don't need all of that. 
You, you just simply don't. There's a certain threshold that once you hit it, as long as you sustain that amount of protein in the diet, you make sure your calories are accounted for, you're going to retain muscle or you're going to have an environment that's going to be prone to build it if you're one of those unique groups that we talked about earlier. So you're saying, just to drive this point home, not to make you repeat yourself, if I'm wanting to build muscle, <laughs> drink protein shakes at 6 p.m. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you, it, It's about um, pre, you, you should have drank that before you put your body through all of that because after you work out, you're recovering from the um from the from the deficit you it's, just created kind of it's dynamic right so you're now you're talking about timing and timing does not matter so this idea okay, of, okay. I'm glad oh well there's that. a one hour window as soon as i as soon as i leave the weight room i need to be smashing my protein shake with my shaker bottle that's, that's not me. true <laughs> there is no when there is, okay <laughs> There is no window of opportunity. It's okay. more like a barn door. Meaning if I gave you, and I'm, I'm going to make up a number. If I said, you need to have a hundred grams of protein in by the end of the day. And I call you at midnight. I say, did you get it? That's all I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you, did you get it? You're going to say yes or no. I'm not going to ask you what time it was. I'm not going to ask you how, uh, how close was it to your workout or before or after. I'm not going to ask what was it like at breakfast or dinner or lunch. I'm just going to ask you if you had it, if you, if you hit the number, right? So, that timing piece we don't care about as much we do know that it's a little better to disperse moderate amounts of protein over the course of the day rather than having a gigantic 90 gram steak at dinner and, and calling that your protein we do know that it's better to have little bits woven in throughout the day but again the timing around your workout with that doesn't matter near as much i'm glad you said that because i <laughs> i'm laughing because i'm like I, it's all these self-imposed like hedges that I, you know, you put yourself in. Like, I feel like I wasted well, my workout if I don't drink, you know, two protein shakes an hour after, like you hit the nail on the head. Like I'm drinking a protein shake as I'm leaving the gym. And I'm like, I need to replenish my muscles after what I just put them through, you know? But in your, in your defense and in defense of 99% of the people out there, they have adopted those mentalities because a lot of people who pretend to know nutrition mm -hmm. have said it, right? You're just buying what people have said. And, and I do not fault people. I can't stand the people that perpetuate these myths because nine times out of 10, they're selling something, right? <laughs> Buy my product. Right. Look like me. I'm jacked. I got, you know, yeah. buys with the girls or whatever quote you use right but <laughs> right. It, when you look at the science and when you look at it just doesn't matter it's way easier than what we've made it which is so great because that means the door is open to anyone and i love that if you could just get the message out and say like man anyone can anyone can fits the bill here this isn't for some exclusive club and and second to that the the um you were talking earlier about how hard you're training at the gym and doing two days and blah, blah, blah. The, the body can only build itself. You, you can't have the rate of tearing it down, exceed the rate of recovery. There's got to be time in there to recover if you want it to adapt and see progress, right? So if you're just badgering your body, trying to get more and more fit, that's actually a, an uphill battle. Your body has to have time to adapt to the stimulus and then create a new one. And that's how things change and grow and you get better. Not just beating yourself to death until you can't bear it anymore.
So is there an actual rule of thumb for how long it does take for your body or your muscles to recover? And basically I've always heard, always heard, you know, you hear it like you hit it on the head, man. Like you hear it from this super Jack dude or stone cold Steve Austin or whatever. And like, Oh yeah. You know, you tear, you break your muscle and you tear it down and then it has to reconnect and build bigger. You know, like, you know, I don't know. I'm just using that analogy, but I've always heard that like you're breaking your muscle down and you're tearing it apart and then it builds bigger back again like i don't even know if that's true but is there a general rule of thumb for like how long you need to give your muscles or is that dependent on how hard you smashed them at the gym well i think it's it's dependent on a number of of different things i mean part of it is kind of what you just alluded to there but i think what matters more is that there is an overall system in place, right? So the idea of creating progressive overload, which is very simply like you go from your ability to being able to carry a rabbit to now you can carry a cat to now you can carry a dog to now you can carry a monkey to now you can carry a rhino tonight, right? Like you're just progressively right. able to handle more. So it's, it's you know, the idea of going in and doing um, tricep push down at, 15 for a set to 10 and calling that like your, your tricep workout and just doing that to exhaustion. That does nothing. You have to have a program that's spaced properly with some rest in there. And those type of things are going to be dependent. The greater the load, the longer the rest you're going to need. So the lighter the load, then the less rest you're going to need, not just between sets, but in between actual workouts. So I think it's dependent on volume, it's dependent on weight, it's dependent on a lot, several different pieces as to be able to say, you know, you, you, you need this, this amount of time every time to be able to grow right or properly or whatever. Okay. But yeah. the body is, it's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, and its ability to adapt at new stimuluses, it happens pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know that I just do, and I'm so, like I said, I'm, I'm going to be pitching you softball-sized grapefruits here um, to just hit out of the park because I'm so uneducated in this in this whole area. I just always followed what, you know, some jack dude said on, a, on an infomercial and, and, um, and, and what's worked for me in the past. And, and so I superset, literally I superset everything. So I'll do like a chest and buys day, and then I'll, I'll usually I'll focus on two body parts, chest and buys triceps and shoulders you know and i'll just superset back and forth and i do three sets of 10 on pretty much everything and i see results but just because i see results doesn't necessarily mean i'm doing it right when i could get better results by doing something smarter right so um i guess i'm just wondering like you know and, and he said everything and i love how you keep going back to the same answers because it's just it's just consistency and it just shows that you, you know you totally believe in that you're sold in on what you're selling here because it's it's so everything's so dynamic, right? I mean, it's it's you said that a few times, and and to me, you said hard work, consistency. I love that. I love that word consistency because to me, any if you want to be successful at anything, you have to be consistent at it. You can't be on again, off again, like I have been with with fitness. And um, you know, and I'm I'm not saying you're you're a workout expert or anything like that. You're a nutritionist and a dietitian, um, but does your knowledge go into the reps and weights part of working out? Certainly not. Certainly not at the level of a physiologist, like an exercise physiologist, but you know, I, I dabble in it enough to be, to, to be dangerous. I definitely have an interest in it. And, 
And, um, you know, it's something that it, I think you have to know a little bit. I think, let me rephrase that. I think you, you should, to be a decent dietitian, educate yourself on, at least on the basics of right. how a muscle grows, right? And, and how that progressive overload type stuff works. Yeah, because I've always heard, you know, heavy is build muscle, build mass, and then you know, less and more builds it's cut kind of thing. And so I've been doing kind of that happy medium. I don't want to do, I don't want to build man boobies, you know, bigger than they already are. So I do, you know, a, uh, one thirty-five. You know, I'll do three sets of ten on that. You know, and it's just, I don't know. I've, I've, I've just, I overthink everything. If you haven't figured that out, I overthink everything. And I'm sure a lot of your customers were probably in the same boat. But I don't, I don't think that it, I don't think it's overthinking anything. I don't think you're overthinking. I think what it's, and again, this is, this is characteristic of culture now, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's not overthinking it. It's confusion. Like you just want to do what's right, but you don't know what to do what's right because you got one set of people telling you that you need to do higher rep schemes. You got another that says you need to be doing lower rep schemes, but heavier weight if you want to look like me. And so you're just like trying to throw between the two and hope you're rolling the dice and that you hit what you're after. <laughs> that's pretty fair. Right. And, and so to me, it's, and, and to me, that's not, it's not, um, it's not like a, a desperation thing. It, it's just, you just don't know. And again, I blame it on them, man. I don't blame it on like just average guys like you and I, because we are just, we're hungry for knowledge. We turn to the people who we think might know and it turns out they're completely wrong. So, <laughs> but, but you've got these, these other groups of guys that are selling this stuff and people are buying it by the boatloads. I mean, you and I are two guys. Imagine the, out of the billions of people, how many other people are buying the same thing, right? Like YouTube's a great example of this. You get some cut dude who's uh, on there selling something you're clicking that link all day long. Let me be you. That's what you want, right? Like you want that guy. And the reality is that guy's selling something he's and it's not the truth. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's really fair. And, and, you know, I, I see that, you know, in archery a lot too. It's just like, I feel like, I feel like what this conversation is, is I, I'm like a 350 grain, super fast and light bow hunter. And you're, you're, you're selling me a heavy arrow setup. It's like, <laughs> it's like putting a kink <laughs> in everything, man. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll get better penetration. You know, like it's, it's pretty fun. It's just I feel like I feel like that's the conversation happening with fitness and dietitian right now. But but uh, you know in this in the same token, it's hard, right? Human behavior and change is hard. It's really challenging. All of these things, in terms of planning and practicality, is very simple. It's very basic, but it's very hard to go carry out. Which is why only five percent of the population who loses weight are able to keep it off a year or more. It's got nothing to do with strategy. It's got nothing to do with complexity in terms of book knowledge. It's consistency. We struggle with human behavior and change, right? Like even when you give someone the permission to eat pizza, the idea that they can stop at two slices rather than five sounds good in the beginning, but can you keep doing that, right? It is. It's really freaking hard. And so when we start, like, you know, that's why working with a program, whoever it is, right, you don't even have to attach my name to it, whoever, hopefully they know what they're doing, but you have to include a, a mindset component of this, of, of reminding people, you are making progress, this is just slow. And, you know, it's, it, there's a, there's a, there's an accountability and a strategy and a, and a, and a community 
that's one of the coolest things about this too, is I've seen, I've been fortunate now to work with enough people that we've built a cool online community where these guys are just, in, and women are just encouraging each other, right? Like, here's, here's what happened to me. Here's my process. Here's what I did. And it's just sort of this, this really cool thing that's happened where um, there's support there. Right. And, and that's not like a cool word to say, right? Like, Oh, I'm getting fit. I'm yeah. keep hammering. I'm training for the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to need some support because the reality is, is that once the season's over, you're going to be back here next February trying to get in shape for this September. And the reality is, man, if you could just stay in shape, that's easier than getting in it. That's, that's a really good point. And I guess I just, I, I have more questions and I, but I also want to wrap this thing up. So we might have to have you on again, if that's cool, Kyle, because there's so much more. I want love to, to come into. back. Yeah. There's so much more I want to come. I want, I want to talk about, and especially when it, you know, the micros, the macros and all that stuff. It's just like, cause that stuff, you know, that's, so far out of my area of, I just know to ask about them. I don't know anything else. <laughs> so, um, but for, for me personally, I want to kind of, um, get your opinion on, um, setting goals. And for me, I told you that I wanted to be around 10%, uh, body fat. Do you, what are the parameters outside of just losing weight? Is even that a good parameter to, to set a goal to because to me if you have a lean body fat percentage you're fit like to me that's I, I correlate that is that even fair correct or reasonable I mean to me it sounds like you know if you're eight to ten percent either you're like you got something wrong with you if you're because my brother was a cross-country runner he's a national nationally ranked and he could barely even register a body fat percentage when he would take the test like he was so low um but he was you know running I'm, and he's an amazing runner. Long story short, um, his body fat percentage was so low. I mean, but he looked like a skeleton. So um, I know that there's a correlation to that and the way you look. And for me personally, 12 to 10% just sounds good. So walk me through that. Should I even be focused on that or is that just stupid? Are you asking if 12 to 10% is a stupid goal to aim for? Or are you asking about should you be focused on something so specific in general? Um, yes. <laughs> so is is because everybody's different right so i mean my um yeah. i i would like to be around um 10 10 to 12 percent at about 172 to 175 pounds because that's for my history knowing my body i feel really good and i like the way i look around that body weight you know 170 to 175 is that's that's where i like to be i look cut but i don't look super skinny you know i look like a short dude that yeah. has some muscle so I think, I think that it is good to have sort of, I think it's good to have targets. I think that you have to constantly keep in the back of your mind because 10 to 10% is pretty lean. Is it? You have to constantly keep in your mind, you know, are you willing to pay the cost to get there? And that's conversations that don't happen much, right? Like, uh, you know, sometimes I'm guilty of this. Hopefully not. I try to explain like, look, these people are working hard to do this, but we're guilty of putting stuff, images, right? Online, social media is just a, a fodder for this. You put stuff online. There's no explanation about it, but I have conversations with these people and the requirements to get that lean 
is hard, right? Like you're craving food all the time. You're constantly thinking about food all the time. You're thinking about what your next meal is going to be by the time you get done eating. You're trying to chew sugar-free gum and drink sugar-free drinks just to get <laughs> something in your stomach and have taste in your mouth. That's what, you know, that's what they do. And then second to that, you got to ask yourself, what am I going to do when I get to 10%? Am I going to try to stay there? Because <laughs> right. I mean, that's a, that could be a cost. And I think, but I do think like, <clears throat> what I what I heavily encourage people to do is instead of creating these really broad goals, have a general idea, right? Like I, I would like to be around this way, have that in your mind, but keep it very fluid. And instead focus on a strategy, develop a strategy that's going to get you there. Every day, I'm going to wake up 30 minutes earlier. On Friday, I'm going to go to the grocery store at 8 a.m. All right, I'm making these things up. Saturday, I'm going to cut the proteins and then Sunday, I'm going to make it at right. Create, create these, these strategies that get you to whatever this goal is, because this broad goal encompasses so many different things that you're just going to be lost in by the time you're three months in or whatever. So I always tell people focus on the process. Don't focus on the number because when you focus on the process, the reality is, is the number comes closer and closer, but the other reality is, is you're not going to have any control over what that scale says. You could work your tail off all week long. You get on that scale and nothing's happened. So what's that leave you? It leaves you depressed and feeling like you don't want to do it anymore. So you quit. When in reality, if you're focused on the process, if you're focused on, you know what, I made, I made all my meals this week. I went out once with my wife. I successfully navigated that. I did four out of my four workouts. I took, you know, I, I did the other stuff. You can be proud of that. And the reality is, is to get that scale to move, sometimes all you need is time. And people, I, I'm a firm believer that people prematurely quit whatever it is that they want whenever, if, if they just would have given it a little bit more time, they would have seen that it was working. Interesting. Yeah. So I do believe you should have goals. I do believe they should get measured. Um, but I think it's good to keep those goals fluid. And I think that it's good instead of creating very specific type things, create habits that are going to get you to whatever this goal is that you want to get to. That's, you know, you bring up a really good point and there's two, two things I want to echo here. Um, I, you know, I, I've, um, been around a lot of successful people, um, back when I was like seeking, trying to like better myself and, and do this and do that. Um, I got around some really, really successful guys and all of them were like, you got process oriented and you got outcome oriented. The outcome oriented guys typically don't do as good as the process oriented guys because the outcome oriented guys see the trophy, but they don't want to do what it takes to get there. The process oriented guys yeah. do what it takes to get there. And that just, what you said there just totally reminded me of that. And I wanted to echo how important that was. I think that was a really cool statement. Second thing is, is I, I've, what are you going to do when you actually get that? You know, like your dog, like the Joker says in Batman, I'm just a dog chasing a car. I don't know what I'm going to do when I catch it. You know, like, um, yeah, that, that's a really good point. I've never thought about that before. And I'm really going to have to think about that because, first of all, is, is 10%, like you say, sustainable? Probably not because that's would be a real pain in the butt trying to even get to 10%. But I've been to 12.7. It's me working out, you know, four to five days a week with high, some high-intensity stuff or inter interval, whatever you want to call it. And then also eating smart. And, and that to me is, is sustainable. So maybe I need to like just focus on getting back to what I was doing prior to elk season. And just, I know I can get down to like 12%. It's not too big of a pain in the butt. 
And, 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 you know, like to give, to give people an idea of what you're talking about, like to, even those small 2%, you're talking about 100% accuracy with your nutrition. You're talking about not being able to go out to eat with your wife. You're talking about not being able to have wings or whatever it is, your choice of drink on for the Super Bowl, right? You're skipping all of these things right. for a percent. And you have to ask yourself, does that 2% get me anything beyond pride? Like right. no one's going to see my abs, my elk hunting buddies. They're not really <laughs> going to care about whether or not I've got six or eight abs poking out of my stomach. So is that really worth those 2%? So when you're laying in bed, you can just say, I'm 10% because you're the only one that's going to care. Yeah. I promise. I lotion, it. I right? lotion it with keels every night. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and the other piece is, is like the body's very adaptive, meaning, you know, this is where plateaus come into play. You have to, th when you hit a plateau, you've got to create enough wiggle room to throw another new stimulus at it. Meaning you got to drop the calories more to continue that progress. So to get to 8% or to 10%, you could be talking about a calorie intake of, I'm literally making this up. This is arbitrary, but 1800 calories, 1700 calories per day, which is not a lot for a guy. Are you going to be able to do that and stay at that level? Right. And, and, um, it would be, it'd be hard to do. There's a, there's a, there's a phrase that I love and that's sometimes you've got to think about memories over macros, right? There mm. are times when memories matter more than, you know, you know, manipulating the minutia of macros to get from 12 to 10%. If there is something that your weight is preventing you from doing, or your weight is causing you a chronic medical issue, that's when it needs to be fixed. But if you have no chronic medical issues, you can do everything you like at the speed that you enjoy it. Weight then kind of becomes whatever you want it to be. If you've got an aesthetic goal, then you could lower it more. But you don't really gain anything else by being even leaner um, than what you are. Even if your lean is 220 or 200 or whatever, right? Like if you can do the stuff you want, it's not causing you any health issues. At that point, you just kind of want to get leaner for you. Maybe that is to feel more confident in, in a shirt or a pair of jeans or whatever. That's okay, right? But we're not talking about any exponential gains and what it allows you to do in some scenarios you are but not in all of them yeah well i i think i think you hit the nail you've been hitting the nail on the head throughout the podcast but you know right there you know is is that two percent worth the memories and i've never heard that carbs over um memories or macro macros over mem memories i've never heard that that saying before and, and that is actually a really good point and so um maybe i just need to you know focus on the process and when i get closer to being close to where I want to be, I can make that decision there. And why, you know, why put all these parameters on somewhere where if I get there, I don't even know if I'm going to be happy. So to me, that, that, that just seems really wise. Man, I'm glad. But, and I think that's, that's a, that fits a broad category of people wasn't targeted at you, but I'm glad. It no, helped. no, I, I think, you know, and, and that's why I love being able to have guys like you on. Cause I personally don't care. I'm so transparent that it's probably, um, probably TMI for, for a few people here and there, but you know, if people want to roast me, you know, like I had a shooting clinic guy on here, I'm like, roast me, man, what am I doing wrong? Let the audience learn from my mistakes. You know, like that's, I, I don't care. So <laughs> there's really not much of an ego there, but, um, well, we've been on here for an hour and 10 Kyle. And, um, I, I want to wrap it up here. Can you give me some, some, 
places and addresses people can get a hold of you if they want to contact you or, or you know, start their journey with you? Yeah. So um, the social media stuff is just V2P Nutrition. So that's V, the number two P Nutrition. Same, uh, the same um, web browser. So B2P Nutrition.com, emails on there, info at B2P Nutrition. And mm-hmm. Love to help, man. So if anybody has questions or whatever, I'd be happy to help. Well, I know that I personally have a ton of more questions, um, but more specifically <laughs> on the diet, dietitian and nutritionist aspect of it. Like what does a macro do versus, you know, a micro? Like I want to learn all that stuff and, and at least have a better idea of when I'm eating something, you know, spaghetti versus an apple, what impact does that have on my body and, and how does my body react? So I kind of want to learn more about that. And that seems to be, uh, you'd be a great guest for that topic too. I'd love to do it, man. I like the deep dive stuff too. So anytime <laughs> you want to do it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Kyle. And um, yeah, I'll, we'll uh, we'll be setting up another one, I'm sure. Sounds good, Garrett. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, man. All right, guys, that's this episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Kyle, for coming back onto the show. I look forward to having you on next month. And outside of that, guys, be sure to leave a review, five stars on whatever platform you can. If you think we earned it, if, you, if I didn't, give me less, but let me know why. That's just, I think that's a pretty fair uh, thing to ask. If I, if I didn't earn five stars, let me know. If I did earn five stars, let me know what I did to do it right and what I can continue to do. And if you want to hear a guest, be sure to put that in the comment. Or if you want to hear a topic, um, it would be a great way for me to get your feedback. I see all the reviews that you leave on iTunes. Trust me, I check that stuff pretty regularly. And uh, we've been slack-a-lacking on the reviews on iTunes, so I need some more on there. And outside of that, guys, appreciate your listening. We're going to keep rolling out at least one a week for now and uh, just keep the content rolling. So after that, uh, we may maybe go to two a week. I'm also pumping out the YouTube content as well. Be sure to search for that. Just type in my name in the YouTube search bar, Garrett Weaver, and I've got over 100 videos on there. I'm pumping out new content. I'm changing the game when it comes to bow reviews here. This week, I'm getting a new device, and I will be talking about that device here in future episodes, uh, very near in the future. Next week or two, I'm going to have more experience with this device, and I'll explain exactly how I'll be changing the game for bow reviews. So outside of that, guys, appreciate you for listening, and I will see you on the next one. Bye.